0: I'm Afshin Ratansi, and welcome back to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from the UAE. In a week after another UN resolution for a ceasefire in Gaza, supported by Russia, China and the UAE, was vetoed by the USA and Britain. President Lula of Brazil, the current rotating chair of the UN Security Council, has labelled the uk US, EU nation-armed aerial bombardment of the besieged Gaza Strip, A genocide for weeks now and as thousands of children have been slaughtered israel's principal sponsor the usa has argued against a ceasefire with its state department and tech companies attempting to censor news coverage of israeli aerial bombardment of a church schools hospitals and mosques Joining me from Granada in Spain as U.S. warships arrive in the Middle East is Israel's former foreign and security minister, Professor Shlomo Ben-Ami. He's now vice president of the Toledo International Center for Peace. Thank you so much, uh, Professor Ben-Ami, for coming on. I've got the book here, Prophets Without Honor. It came out only months ago. Um, Before I get on to uh, uh, a really important theme in, in that book... Would the events of October the 7th have happened if you were still Foreign and Security Minister of Israel?
1: Well, I wish uh, this this was the case, but the thing is that uh, I am am fully aware of uh, the reasons because uh, that brought us to a failure then. And the conditions were not ideal, I must admit. The conditions today are far better. The conditions before the war, a few days before the war we had an envelope of uh, friendly Arab states that could uh, have been uh, um, helpful, particularly helpful in, uh, in moving the process ahead. Uh, during our time, that was not exactly the condition with the Saudis or the Emiratis uh, and others. So I think that uh, the original setup now, or before the war rather, or the day before the war was much more friendly to, uh, to a viable peace process than in our days.
0: I suppose what, you're, what you mean there is, if you were foreign and security minister today or on October the 6th, it, it could still have happened because of Netanyahu, because you said that uh, what made uh, and enabled the bloodshed uh, inevitable was Netanyahu.
1: Well, I, 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 what I mean by that is that the blunder uh, by the Netanyahu government and by him personally has to do with his uh, strategic misunderstanding of the realities. He he did believe that uh, the Abraham Accords, uh, this uh, change of paradigm was his own doing and it uh, reflected uh, defeat of the national Palestinian movement. He said the Um, When he met uh, Biden uh, at the the General Assembly uh, um, a fortnight ago or so, he said that the Palestinians should not be allowed to have a veto right on on a Saudi pistol. And uh, as we see, they are having sort of a veto right. Uh, that is uh, being expressed uh, through uh, uh, this flare-up uh, between Israel and Gaza. And then, of course, from this strategic uh, blunder uh, emerges the tactical blunder. Otherwise, he would have had uh, forces, military forces, deployed along uh, uh, the Gaza border and not put all his attention in protecting the settlers in uh, in the West Bank. I mean, I've
0: I've said this on the programme a few times recently. We're not all fans of Thomas Carlyle. You can't just put it all on Netanyahu. And in fairness, in your book, you show there are huge security structures in Israel uh, which were bound to fail almost. It's not just his fault, clearly. There's an entire architecture of security and defence forces in there that didn't even understand that this multi-billion dollar wall of, of Gaza and so on was kind of useless.
1: No, you're right. I mean, what I was addressing was your particular question about today, uh, about the the reasons that we have this uh, failure today, failure to to understand the strategic conditions. But uh, historically, I'm fully aware and I write about it in the book of uh, the entire uh, security and, and civilian uh, establishment being being involved in uh, in the occupation of the territories this is not uh, something that uh, has to do with uh, uh, just one prime minister this has been going uh, on for the last uh, half of, se- of a century uh, uh, already in the 1980s uh, there was uh, uh, this uh, incredible uh, Wise uh, scholar and, and sort of politician, Meron Benvenisti, who spoke about uh, the situation being uh, being uh, irreversible. I mean, because the realities that was that that were created um, through the settlements and the security establishment and what have you. Uh, yet. I would advise against the assumption that just because of these realities, it is entirely impossible uh, to have a political solution. I mean, we could uh, have a political solution even then, and today, even today, uh, the this Israeli notion of uh, of blocks of settlements that can be swapped with Palestinian, uh, sorry, with the Israeli land. Uh, is still at least technically, if not politically, it's still viable. It's yeah, I, w-
0: I want to get onto those clear and uh, and I think that's why the book is so interesting: actual uh, possible solutions rather than the parroting of this phrase uh, 2 state solution." And as you say, you know, at the, at the beginning of your most recent uh, work, I mean, coming from a former foreign minister, that um, that what you've written is an obituary of this two-state uh, chimera that uh, we hear politicians talking about all the time during the slaughter in Gaza at the moment. Um, so why do you think that, as you mentioned the history, the first reaction from Israel's UN ambassador to General, uh, Secretary General uh, Guterres saying that the attacks on October 7th did not occur in a vacuum was to call for his resignation and to immediately uh, refuse visas for... United Nations staff in the region.
1: This is utterly unhelpful. Uh, I know um, Guterres, uh, where he comes from, ideologically and politically, I don't think that he meant uh, exactly what, the way he was interpreted. He uh, just
0: said it, anyway, it shouldn't be, unders- it didn't happen in a vacuum, that's all.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I don't think he was condoning uh, the the seventh of October massacre. I don't believe that uh, that was what he meant. Um, but anyway, um, the, the 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 politics of uh, of boycott and uh, of uh, uh, ruling out uh, UN uh, officials from I think this is utterly. Uh, uh, ineffective, and it is not right, and, uh, and this is not the way uh, Israeli diplomacy should behave. And that uh, has accompanied media appearances
0: by Israeli uh, former ambassadors, maybe uh, people who used to work for you, who knows, uh, calling Palestinians animals. And this, simultaneous to reports we're hearing that Anthony Blinken told the uh, Qatari government to toned down coverage of their satellite news channel. Is there a concerted attempt, and is there a concerted worry now uh, by the Israeli government and the United States sponsors that this, these pictures, which they can't control on social media of dying children, means uh, it's even worse than in, in the times when you were foreign minister in terms of the atrocities the world is seeing?
1: Well, it, you know that's a dirty war. It is a dirty war on both sides. Uh, I, I'm not an expert in, in, uh, in international uh, law. Uh, I, I, I'm afraid that um, it is said it is very sad, uh, but I'm not sure that the death of civilians uh, as such. Is a uh, is a war crime. I think that uh, uh, targeting civilians is a war crime, and I I tend to believe that uh, um, uh, the Israeli forces do not target on purpose civilians, as we saw the other day with this debate about uh, the hospital. It turned out, I think, fairly. I don't know if you would agree, but uh, to me, uh, that that was uh, quite convincing. Well, now it the New York not.
0: Times, as you know, is rowing back from that. And most people say that if you blow yeah, exactly, up, if exactly. you drop the amount no, of... So I
1: think that, well,
0: no, because I, I have is, to say, I mean, if you drop the amount of uh, TNT equivalent to Hiroshima on a space like Gaza, you're going to kill civilians. You're in effect targeting uh, civilians. But but I suppose uh, this has happened so many times And what's unusual about your viewpoint is that you've said Oslo was a waste of time. As chief negotiator at Camp David, you've itemized what was going on and and said that the problem is that Israel has never had a leader that understood the tragedy of the displacement of Palestinians and what the Palestinian story uh, actually is. But what are the interests of uh, Biden, Sunak, Schultz, and Macron coming to uh, appear beside Netanyahu. What's your understanding of why they did that?
1: Well, this is quite unprecedented in the history of the con- of, of, uh, uh, conflict between Israel and the, and the Palestinians, and it needs to be understood, in my view, uh, 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 in two ways. One is indeed the, the shock about the 7th of October, and the second is the strategic understanding of these leaders, that what is going on in Gaza is uh, uh, um, is part of a broader uh, showdown with uh, uh, an opposite uh, bloc: Russia, Iran, possibly China as well. Uh, that is uh, being uh, defined, uh, determined through the war in. Uh, Um, in Ukraine as well. So Ukraine and Gaza are seen in terms of their uh, strategic broader setup as part of, of the same conflict uh, on the other side, you have uh, Hamas, which is uh, uh, an ally or being uh, uh, cultivated in a way by, uh, by Iran. You have Hezbollah, which is again Iran. You have Iran itself. You have Russia, which is allied uh, with, uh, with Iran on, in, in Ukraine and beyond. Uh, so that's that's their understanding. This is like the way I interpret it. So on the one hand, you have the shock at uh, the um, the um, the carnage that took place along the border um, on the seventh of October, and the second is the broader strategic setup.
0: Yeah. So in in your work, you haven't really highlighted that element of Israel being a proxy project, which seems to be how the global South appear to be saying. It. The fact that Lula said what Israel is doing is genocide, uh, the bee in bricks, as it were. Does that mark this out as very different to all the previous uh, flare-ups of of killing and and slaughter? The idea that, as you say, this is now seen as Israel is seen, forget the Israeli people. And in your book, you actually uh, almost say that uh, it has been used by outside powers. But now it's really being used by outside powers as a buttress against this new multipolar world that we hear all the time uh, from Beijing and yeah. Moscow about
1: yeah but Israel Israel would have reacted and this is my my main uh, uh, critique of the Israeli side is that it doesn't have a clear political strategic purpose it doesn't uh, no it is a reactive uh, a reactive war i think that Israel would have had would have reacted anyway with uh, western support or without it
0: Professor Shlomo Ben Ami, I'll stop you there. More from Israel's former foreign and security minister after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with Israel's former foreign and security minister, Professor Shlomo Ben Ami. You were just saying that Israel would have reacted. Uh, regardless of American support, to which most people would say, well, hang on a minute, Israel doesn't have any enough arms without American and British and European Union nation to reply in this, in this somewhat called savage way against the civilians of Gaza. Could it?
1: You mean uh, rearming the, or replenishing Israel's uh, military uh, yes. arsenal? Yes. Uh, well, I guess that uh, yes, uh, the, the U.S. has done it in the past as well. It, it did it during the Young People War, and it, it did it uh, after one of these cycles of uh, of wars with Hezbo- uh, with um, with Hamas. Um, you're right. This is uh, American support is something that cannot be denied, and uh, and the fact that the Americans moved their aircraft uh, carriers to the Eastern Mediterranean again, it has to do, in my view, with the with the broader strategic setup uh, which i mentioned earlier they uh, i think that more than participate in the war they they came to uh, um, deter uh, hezbollah and uh, and the iranians but if i may i wanted to say a word about uh, lula if, uh, if this is possible i think that um, um we we should be careful and it is not easy during times of war uh, to, to avoid the prostitution of the language. Uh, the Palestinians are not animals, and Israel is not conducting a genocide. We need to calculate our, 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 our words. Is it really a genocide? You know how many people died uh, in drones attacks by Americans in Afghanistan and Iraq? I don't know if at least 80,000 or, or close to it. And nobody say this is a genocide. I think no need to prostitute our language. OK, well, Pre- President uh, Lula's been on this programme. It is program, sad isn't... enough. It is sad enough without it. President it Lula's been... It is sad been... enough, tragic enough, even immoral enough without it.
0: OK, well, I mean, the, we have heard Israelis in the past week or so in London. I think the Israeli ambassador to London speak of uh, it in the same terms as Dresden not saying it, as if Dresden was a, uh, was a terrible atrocity, but saying Dresden was a necessary atrocity, uh, which uh, many people think was quite bizarre. But you've said as regards uh, what's happening in Ukraine that the only beneficiaries were the US arms industry. How far do you think that Biden and Blinken, and uh, Blinken, of course, himself, uh, former uh, Pentagon consultant company um, boss... How far is this war also being uh, promoted by the vested interests of arms companies that have benefited obviously by the masses of arms being poured into Zelensky in Kiev but also being poured into Israel?
1: That's not uh, only the war. I mean the entire um, American uh, assistance to Israel is an indirect subsidy to the war in the, to the um, arms industry in America. This is dollar money. That uh, has to be spent in the US. It cannot be spent in Israel proper, which means that from the very beginning, it's not only during the war, but during normal times, American aid is, can be seen as an indirect uh, subsidy to uh, the arms industry. When I wrote, and I wrote a piece about uh, Ukraine, I did say, and I stand behind uh, what I said, that the main winner in this war so far has been the American arms industry, because the fact that uh, the West as a whole is is in this war without having a, 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 an end game in mind. What is the objective? And I, I, I don't think I didn't think uh, uh, a few months ago, and I don't think it now that uh, uh, the, the Russians can be um, can be thrown back to the international border. I don't believe this is a realistic uh, uh, objective, and therefore some sort of uh, uh, accommodation would have to be found, found and uh, uh, through a, a ceasefire and then start some sort of uh, of uh, negotiations. But otherwise, this war will go forever, just as the war with Hamas. I don't think that... Uh, I think that is the, the main weakness of the Israeli position is that it doesn't have a political objective. This is lesson uh, one that we learned from uh, from Clausewitz. I mean, what's its objective? Uh, destroying Hamas entirely, uh, bringing it to its knees, it will take months, if not years, if it would be possible at all. So, and then in, an invasion might, might trigger a wider, uh, a wider uh, conflagration in the region and beyond. So I think that uh, the fact that there is no strategic objective is one of the reasons that perhaps opens the door to this critique of israel's bombardment what is the objective what is the strategic endgame? and this well, is where israel is failing
0: well we know who who's paying for that uh, uh failure of course some might say this is this eschatological idea in washington that uh, they're fighting china they're fighting russia through ukraine and they'll fight uh, Iran and the burgeoning Arab world—I suppose the Islamic world—through uh, through Israel, but unlike so many other voices on this uh, situation, you talk about r- rather like Palestinian uh, scholars as well talk about a one-state solution. Now that there are 130 so-called settlements, 140 so-called settlement outposts, seventy thousand, uh, uh, what? Two, how many? Uh, occupiers are there in East Jerusalem as part of the old UN resolution. Just outline why you've said this and why it is some reason we still hear this two-state solution parroted phrase from politicians as widely different as Xi Jinping, Vladimir Putin, and Joe Biden.
1: Well, I think uh, it, it, it turned out to be impossible to reconcile the minimal requirements uh, of the Palestinian national movement for a peace deal with Israel's uh, maximal uh, capacity for for making the necessary uh, concessions, uh, these two ends simply uh, could not meet because of the the unique nature of of the conflict being a conflict not just about land it's not land for peace it's uh, there are categories that um, israelis and palestinians cannot uh, uh, agree on and it is uh, the, the question of refugees the, uh, the holy sites jerusalem this is not a real estate business like we had with uh, with egypt that is giving back the sinai peninsula and then getting a, pe- uh, a peace agreement for it here the, the you see what what the egyptians and the, and even the syrians during negotiations were asked to give israel is uh, is a, a political legitimacy give Israel political legitimacy in the region. What the Palestinians are asked to give is political and moral legitimacy. And that is what makes uh, the Palestinian position uh, so maximalist in the eyes of of Israeli negotiators, because you have to pay a price that goes far beyond the problems that were created in 1967 you are being asked to give uh, a price that has to do with the problems of 1948 the problems created in 1948 and the Israeli political system uh, the, the 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 collective uh, israeli public is incapable of paying the price it is ex- exceedingly high uh, and if you'll have a prime minister that would will be willing to pay the price then he will be toppled politically. One of them was assassinated, and two others were uh, defeated politically because they came too close to meeting uh, Palestinian uh, requirements for a for a peace deal. So this is why I came to the conclusion that this is uh, the two-state solution, and as we understood that. It then, that is, the borders of 67, uh, swaps of land, uh, removal of uh, settlements uh, at a large scale, um, uh, the partition of Jerusalem, uh, Palestinian uh, control of the of the Haram al-Sharif, Temple Mount, all this to me is not possible given what I understand is the political uh, Israeli system and what I understand are the conditions uh, in Palestine, with this split between Hamas and the problem. I mean,
0: as we run run out of time, given the uh, inability, it seems, for anyone to understand that this is the case, whether it be international powers, Security Council members, uh, what do you expect the outcome of this current conflict uh, to be, because as we can see, the Arab and Islamic world, certainly the Arab world, doesn't seem to want to save the people of Gaza the way Russia sees uh, the saving of the people from uh, eastern uh, Ukraine. But there are resistance movements around the world. There are obviously boycotts beginning. There is now a widening uh, protest movement. All around the world, it's very different to think that there are some polls that you're 40% of Jews in the United States believe that Israel is an apartheid state. How should we expect this conflict uh, to move? I suppose it depends well, on, think, on 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 yeah. what happens in Lebanon.
1: Yeah, I think I think that uh, we need to to look at the immediate steps and what is possibly to pre- to conceive a uh, uh, longer term in the immediate. Step, I think we should uh, uh, we should drive to a situation whereby, uh, according to to the very uh, clauses of the Oslo Accord, that uh, the Palestinian Authority will have uh, its authority extended to uh, the Gaza Strip as well. That's not going (laughs) to happen. Well, it it might happen if uh, uh, if uh, uh, the Um, Hamas is diminished to such a degree, because this is not going to be, in my view, a war of of a few weeks, it will go on for, uh, for a long time. Uh, if this is if this happens and and uh, the, the, there is a, cap- a willingness to inject the financial capabilities and the security capacities to uh, to the Palestinian Authority, maybe we can restart some sort of uh, peace uh, negotiations. Otherwise, what I believe what may happen at some point is that the Zionist uh, DNA, as it were, as I understand it. The Zionist DNA, as I understand it, was always more about demography than about territory. That is, it was perverted by the settlers, by the coalition of Netanyahu, by the shift of Israelis to the right since the year 2000. It was perverted into making territory prevailing over demography. I think that at some point, a prime minister will emerge that will uh, uh, do what Ehud Olmert tried to do in 2006, that is a convergence plan to start disengaging uh, uh, unilaterally from parts of the West Bank in order to prevent the dilution, the entire disappearance of uh, uh, the Jewish state into what I call a South African situation without a South African solution. This is a one-state reality. I don't see to such a one-state reality, I don't see a South African solution. So maybe this such a unilateral withdrawal, which is not the best solution, the best would be one negotiated settlement. But if this does happen, it will force inevitably the Jordanians to ask having a role in the West Bank. This will be very bad for the Jordanian kingdom, because you will see movements of population from the West Bank to the other side of the river. If the Israelis eventually decide to conduct some sort of unilateral disengagement in order not to uh, consolidate a South African situation, which which would be suicidal for Israel.
0: Professor Shlomo Ben-Ami, thank you. Thank you. And that's it for the show. And condolences from the whole team here at Going Underground to those bereaved by the ongoing violence in the Middle East. There will be more Gaza on Monday's show with British historian and Tony Blair speechwriter Sir Lawrence Friedman. Until then, keep in touch via all our social media if it's not censored in your country. And head to our channel, Going Underground TV, on rumble.com to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you Monday.